Welcome back to another episode of Bird Bros. It's been a minute, but we're back to talk about the Falcons. There's been a lot of news happening in March and February and January around the draft, free agency, the combine, and uh, we're here to talk about it, as we always do. So, um, of course, I'm Ron Brown. You can check out the podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Bird Bros. Check out the website, birdbrus.wordpress.com. We're everywhere. Podcasts are found. SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio. You Google us, you should be able to find us. So tonight I've got Trent and AD, two of the other Bird Bros that hold us down. But we also got a, a special co-host with us who's a, a, been a listener, supporter of the podcast, and also is a, very active in the Dirty Bird Nation Facebook group. We'll go ahead and let Justin introduce himself, kind of give his background as a Falcons fan. Go ahead, bro. Hey, hey, I'd like to uh, thank you all for having me on here, actually. Big listener of the podcast since I started following you guys a few months ago. Um, I'm actually a fan out here in Tacoma, Washington. There's not too many of us out here. But um, I'm out here, became a fan back in the DVD era, so I'm younger. So the whole Dunn-Vic Duckett era was uh, was kind of my prime. Rolled through the Petrino era, of course. Came back, got the Matt Ryan era, and I, I've just kind of been a diehard ever since. I usually end up trying to attend a game or two games every season. Last season, I was able to make it out to that Dallas comeback game. Next season, hopefully, I'll see some of you guys out here because they're coming to Seattle, and then uh, we'll be down in the black hole at that game as well. All right, that's what's up. So how does a person from Tacoma, Washington, even get involved with the Falcons? You got the – you got the Seahawks. You got all the West Coast teams. What drew you to the Falcons? Yeah, okay. Well, basically what happened was, like I said, I'm younger. I'm, um, I'm 29. So I had the uh, – I li- my dad was military, so we moved all around. And I actually lived up in Alaska prior to living here in uh, Seattle or the Seattle area. And up in Alaska, of course, there's no real team loyalty. Everybody just kind of watches uh, – watches the game or whatnot and I started gravitating actually to uh back in the dirty bird days with the uh, Jamal Anderson so uh, just because the dance and everything like that I thought that was the coolest thing ever so then I, I became kind of a fan then we lost to the Broncos in the Super Bowl I cried a little bit then I moved down here and uh, of course I'm younger so I, I kind of lost touch with it all and then in high school was when the DVD era hit so then that's you had Jim Moore Jr and done Vic Duckett, and then I was just all in, because, I mean, you had, like, people playing with them on Madden and everything like that, and I just kind of, like, stayed with it since then. That's what's been, up. Well, yeah, we would appreciate been. you being being a loyal Falcons fan. We know there's a lot of bandwagon people who oh, hop yeah. on hop off. So, <laughs> you know, it's all good. We die hard here, all different ages, but, you know, we love the Falcons regardless. So, I mean, let's get straight into it, fellas. Go ahead and talk about Roddy White. He was uh, released by the team. After uh, you know being with the team quite a long period, leading receiver in all the major categories in, in franchise history, definitely one of the better players we've had, of course, in franchise history. Kind of took a step back in offense this past season, and you know he made it known what it was like during the season, and also after he was uh, after news that he was cut. So I'm going to start off with AD. AD, when you look back at Roddy White's time with the Falcons, uh, what do you kind of think of, and uh, what do you think possibly about his future? It's nothing bad I can ever say about that dude, man. He, um, you know, when you look at what how he made the leap from dropping that pass that, you know, pretty much sealed the deal on Moore, uh, Jim Moore being the head coach, you know, where Moore drops to the sideline on both knees because he dropped that wide open pass to the type of professional he became. Um, it's nothing bad I can say about the dude. I mean, from my perspective, I hate to see him go, but it's clearly a business decision. Um, two years ago, I thought he didn't look healthy all the way through. It seemed like he had a limp. Um, just wasn't healthy all the time. He's been made up for quite a while. Um, so you got to expect that with what he was scheduled to make versus what the production was, it, it just wasn't going to be there. And then I'll let somebody else hit on it, but clearly there's oil and water with him and Shanahan Jr. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, it was what it was. But, you know, um, Sherrod White, that's always be my guy. All right, now, Trent, you've been uh, one of the biggest Shanahan defenders in – Roddy made some comments about, you know, Shanahan not being able to take advice or, or direction or whatnot, whatever. Um, you know, we kind of touched on the comments in depth, but uh, what do you think about Roddy? I mean, of course, it was bittersweet to see uh, Roddy gone, but I think the writing has been on the wall for um, for a while. Um, yeah, the writing has been on the wall for a while now. Even AD alluded to 
uh, the injuries is basically ham- like hampered Roddy White in the, the uh, most recent years. And then even this year, it just – I think we were 4-0 at one point, and Roddy White was staring at the locker room saying that he's he wasn't involved. Like he was still – he was unhappy with the team when we were at the, basically the height of our um, – of our year this this year when we were four and zero and he was still unhappy so it just seemed like the writing was going to be on the wall. I really don't understand him saying that um, Shanahan didn't really take advice or suggestions from um, the offense because I remember there was many times this season when uh, Matt Ryan was saying that he and Shanahan talked more and he was trying to um, basically they were trying to grow a relationship and just. So Shanahan could use uh, Matt Ryan's strength. So I I just think that now it's a bunch of sour grapes are coming out, which is why Roddy White is trying to attack um, Shanahan. He's I mean he's been trying to attack him since early this season when we were four and zero. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So so Justin, man, you're in the trenches when it comes to fandom, because I, I read uh the the Facebook group every <laughs> once in a while, and there's some things I'm like, man, I can't even get involved in. I blow blow my top off just. <laughs> trying to paint or whatnot. So, I mean, what do you think about Roddy White? You know, of course, your fandom, and then seeing you know the different comments during in that Facebook group all the time. No, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of pro Roddy fans in there, of course, just because he's been there for so long and he's a legend with us. He's the greatest of greatest receiver of our uh, franchise, at least. But there's a, some of us fans, including myself, and as you guys mentioned previously, that we understand it's a business decision. Honestly, uh, me, myself, I was already weary of giving him that last contract uh, a couple years prior to, granted, he was a, if you will say, he was showing that he was still serviceable. I I was still somewhat weary about it. I feel like they kind of gave him that contract just because who he was uh, to the franchise along with Julio, and uh, that's when they had Julio and Harry, and that was kind of the core, and it looked like we were going to be able to make the push. That said, there there are a lot of angry fans, um, whether it be how they felt that it was dealt with via text, which, I mean, Quinn and Roddy have given their uh, their backgrounds on the whole situation and how it all went down. Uh, personally, I think it was the right way to do it, even though uh, they reached out to the agent and they tried getting a hold of Roddy. They couldn't, but then they text him about it. At least that little maximize his free agent window. Now we see he's not going to – he, of course, was in that initial – wave of free agency, but I'm assuming he's going to end up in Tampa. Most of us are assuming he's going to end up in like Tampa or Carolina at this point. He's, he's made it a, made it blunt that he wants to stay in the South. I mean, he hasn't said AFC or NFC, but he wants to stay in the South. And of course you got a uh, Dirk down South. who would love him. Um, Smitty, but he's on the other side of the ball. They would still welcome him to that ball or that side of the ball. And then uh, Carolina, I mean, that's just home. So I can see him going there as well. But, yeah, a, a lot of upset fans about how the whole thing went out. A lot of fans, they don't understand. Um, I mean, there was some cap savings. Some don't agree with the, the amount of cap savings. What was it, about 2 mil? Um, but the cap hit was like 6.5, I want to say. Was it 6 or 6.5? Anybody remember off something there? I think it was 6.5. 6.5, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I see it as a business decision. Personally, I was, I'm fine with getting rid of Roddy. Um, now his predator, the person coming in after him, um, that one's up for debate to me. But but I understand it all. What I would actually like to see them do is uh, see if he um, go ahead and give him a one day contract whenever he's ready to hang it up. And what would be cool, even though he says he has like two to three years, was if if he goes off and he plays a year somewhere else actually, and uh, and decides it doesn't work out physically for him, but he's just not ready to do it anymore. I would love to see him um, in that 2017 season, actually, at the new uh, at the new Mercedes uh, Dome, and come go ahead and come out and uh, maybe do a re- Ring of Honor induction. But he says he's got two to three years, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, like you said, it's it's a business decision. I'm I'm not really. A lot of people were angry. Like, I mean, I, and I kind of see like <laughs> Roddy has had his time. He's said what he said, and of course, the Shanahan, the things he said about Shanahan, that. That link is broken. I mean, of course, he'll never. He may come back in a one-day contract and and, and uh, you know retire as a Falcon in that capacity. But yeah. you know, just even looking back at his entire time with the Falcons, first-round pick in 2005, he didn't really click well with Michael Vick, if people may remember that. And it wasn't until you know 2007 season 
when we had all those different quarterbacks, um, Chris Redman and who was else? Byron Leftwich and Joe Harrington. Harrington. Yeah. So you know, and that's when he kind of stepped up. So it's been a great career for for yeah. Roddy White with the Falcons. Uh, Ad, you got anything? Any last comments on on Roddy? And we'll go around and let everybody else get their last no. comments on Roddy. No, you know, um, again, I'm I'm surprised to hear people are surprised if you didn't see the right <laughs> on this one. You're not watching this team closely, and that's not anything against him. It's just I don't see how you watched a game the last year and a half and not know that this was going to happen um, for whatever reasons. So, um, you know, salute to him. Hope to see him back. Um, you know, I'm sure he's going to be in the ring of honor at some point. Um, I think we'll all be happy to see it, but it's, it's it had to happen. Yeah, what's, a, what's surprising to me is that um, most of those people out there that, like, are disappointed at the decision, they were saying that um, – Roddy White was a like a locker room leader for these guys. And that's one thing I feel like he's never been. He has been a leader in his like he's led on the field, of course, but as a for a locker room guy, he's always added to like he's always spoke out on something. So I yeah. feel like that also led to this um to this release. It's like, okay, you're stirring up the pot and you're also your um play is also you're you're losing, of course. You're with your age. You're just not as good anymore. So, it was honestly, you couldn't do anything for him. He didn't want to take a pay cut. It's like you have nothing going for you. Go go ahead and uh, let us know what you feel, uh, Justin. Any last comments on on Roddy? No, yeah. I mean, it it all ended. I mean, it, it didn't end how we wanted this to go. Like maybe a Larry Fitzgerald exit. Um, I guess you would put it. Um. Not as bad as the Steve Smith release in Carolina, but I guess it, it is right there with some of the fans, depending on who you're talking about. Uh, one thing that I thought was funny, um, actually, was when Roddy was just talking about it on uh, uh, Finnernan, Finnernan's part in the, his little interview or whatnot. And he said uh, Quinn and them actually, they wanted to call Roddy. Well, they called Roddy, and they wanted him to come back to Flowery Branch after cutting him to powwow. And uh, and Roddy seemed kind of sour about that, and I I don't blame him, but I just thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, like everybody said, you can kind of see the writing on the wall. Um, was that for for the fifth game when he was talking about he was more than just a run blocker, and this offense isn't working for him? And my thing is like, honestly, is a as an individual, and if you want the team to be successful, I mean, you got to go out there and run block. Like, you got to put yourself before the team. If that's what we need you to do, that's what we need you to do. And it was working for us. And then we saw um, Shanahan and him kind of go at it. Then you had Shanahan, what was that, throw it three straight times to him. Um, he's been speaking about that um, when the fans were demanding it. So, no, I'm fine with the cut. Like I said, we'll see uh, what his his guys knew, what – what happens there? Hopefully, it works out for us. <laughs> yeah, we we hope it. Uh, I mean, I look. Hopefully, Roddy de- definitely succeeds. I I wouldn't even call it anything close to Steve Smith being cut because no, he yeah. still has a lot to give, as we've seen, um, in his time with Baltimore. But you know, Roddy's a good guy, good player. Much success to the man and his on his next squad. So uh, let's kind of switch topics and talk about kind of the combine. The draft a little bit as well. Who uh, who the Falcons may target in the draft based on the free agent pickups and everything. So, uh, and the, the main news in the combine outside of the players was a question posed uh, at the time. It was an anonymous Falcons play uh, coach asked defensive back from Ohio State Eli Apple about his sexual preference, and you know he was talking in an interview, a radio interview, and said one of the coaches asked him. Was he gay? Do you like men? Because, you know, if you come to Atlanta, you have to deal with that. It turned out it was Marquand Manuel, the defensive backs coach, and a guy who played in the NFL for eight or nine years, um, went to college at Florida. So uh, start off with Trent, man. What what do you think about these comments? Are they a fireable offense? Do we find them? What, what should be done? Is it out of line? Is it in line when it comes to combine questions? We've heard random questions over the years where Des Bryant, I think, was a part of a – a question that was controversial and different guys over the years. Was that out of line or was that in line? It was out of line and in line at the same time. <laughs> I say that just because, of course, we've heard the ridiculous questions that are posed at the um, at the combine. The only thing is that he, like, you can tell he actually thought about this question. Like, 
he added context and everything. So it's like, oh my god, like that has to be just mind blowing. But also the um, I'm more surprised at the reaction. I I was reading that the NFL actually sent um sent him to a counselor and sent a couple of the Falcons um assistants to a counseling session. And it's just I mean it's funny just <laughs> because of course they're doing that because of the publicity that's received. When it's like you really do not care about I guess gay or this you don't care about the whole thing. It's more about the, you're protecting the shield. So that, like, to me, what was most ridiculous about this situation was the outcome and how these guys actually have to attend the counseling session. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, we don't know if, like you said, sometimes they're just reactionary measures taken and it doesn't really, you know, illustrate, hey, we need to be politically correct or whatnot. So, <laughs> AD, was that out of line? I mean, from a professional standpoint, do you think, if it was any other regular job and you're interviewing somebody, is that uh, an appropriate? Of course. Well, actually, I mean, I'll answer. It's not an appropriate question. I think you can't discriminate against people, um, you know, with all kind of federal laws. But what do you think about that question and Marquand Manuel's question? Uh, well, you're right. I mean, if, if I ask that question on my job, you know, good luck to me. I'll be looking for something <laughs> else to do. Um, you, you know, I don't. The only problem. In the context of how he what he said, I get it. My only issue is that, and maybe I'm I'm looking at it wrong, but to me, it's so much behind, you know, blurred lines type of stuff in the NFL anyway. That I, I'm not saying it's the fault of Eli Apple for saying that somebody asked him that and saying who said it, but that's kind of the culture in the sense of, yeah, you know, you get paid X amount of money, but yeah, if you go knock Russell Wilson out of the game. Is three thousand extra dollars. So to me, it, I don't know. He kind of violated the code a little bit, you know. And I'm just saying that, like I said, was at its base, is it a question you're supposed to ask? No, I get that part of it, but you know, it, I mean, it's the NFL, you know. So I, I kind of, you know, that part of it. So I see both sides of it. I know why I was asked, and I get why I was asked. Was it out of line? Yeah, but then to the same point, it's like. Dude, this is it's gonna be a lot of things that probably not supposed to be said, done, and asked that are gonna happen in your career, and you kind of already telling everything you know already. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting just breaking the the code of maybe he could have said it was an anonymous team instead of said Atlanta, but I mean think about this, Justin. You think about not only are we in other coaches and different personnel guys interviewing players, but a team of the players are interviewing, kind of seeing is this a team I want to go to. You know, could if I don't know how Eli Apple interpreted. I know he said it was kind of weird, but maybe some prospects may say I might not want to go to the Falcons if they act like that. And then you had the Brian Cox shoving, <laughs> shoving a, a guy on the Cardinals and uh, you know, staffer on the Cardinals. And we know how Brian Cox is fiery. But do you think uh, it, it hurts the Falcons when think about that when it comes to potential prospects? Uh, you know what? And this is one thing that I've been thinking about the past couple of days, and I guess I could lead off by asking you guys this. Is there any chance that this could uh, counter and end up, um, I guess, being a mark on Eli Apple in terms of how this whole thing was laid out? Because, I mean, you have to think that, like, the NFL is a brotherhood and everything like that. And as we said, it's kind of just like the norm, the accepted norm or the the culture of the locker room to have, like, questions like that I mean you go about like the questions of like we've seen people or like reportedly they've asked people if they could kill somebody who they'd get away with or would they have sex with their uh with their mothers or something like that so to that degree I feel like those are a little bit more vulgar but at the same time I'm, I'm just wondering and I guess I could have you guys weigh in also could this be an issue where teams look at Eli Apple now and they see what he did. They go out because it, it was a TV interview, or it might have been a radio interview. I want to say it was a TV interview when he uh, actually ended up coming out and saying all this, and then the cat came out the bag. But could this, uh, to you guys, um, I guess, be a mark on him? Yeah, I mean, like AD said, it's breaking the code. I mean, sometimes you, what what's said in this room doesn't leave this room, man. In that case, you know, will, will teammates feel like, you know, we can't say nothing around this guy? Yeah, exactly. And then does this turn into like a Jonathan Martin situation? Right, right. Like well, down the road. I don't really think he was breaking the code. If I think the TV interview was during this whole dead period for the NFL when it's like, okay, most of these um, 
sports TV shows are just trying to find stories. Like yeah. right now, it's not a lot going on. So I think the interviewer actually asked him, like, what was the most um, surprising or ridiculous question you received during the combine? And I think it was just a like a human reaction for him to say, oh, okay, it was this. I don't think he was actually going out of his way to say, like, okay, the Falcons assistant did this. It ended up this bad, yes. It ended up bad for us. But I, I don't think he was actually going out of his way. So I don't think it'll seem like this dude is really that type of guy that's going to, you know what I'm saying, say what's going on in the locker room or you can't, he can't be trusted, that type of thing. Okay. Well, and, you know, um, I think I hit on this earlier. If I'm just being honest, the context of how he asked that question is a legit question if you live in the city of Atlanta. I mean, let's not be yes. <laughs> now, is it his right to know that? I don't know that he can ask that question, but in the context of how that he asked that question, as in, do you have a problem with it? Because if you're down here, it's a lot of it. That's legit. And if anybody tell you that it's not, they're lying. <laughs> I think that's what messed uh, Mark Quinn manual up though is because it was a legit question. Most of these uh, combine interview, I mean, com yeah, combine interview questions are not legitimate, and you like they're ridiculous enough to yeah, you don't even think it is. Like, would you kill somebody with a knife or with a gun? There's no thought into that. But for him to actually ask a legitimate question at a con like in that type of arena, when most of these other questions are just silly and not like just thoughtless questions. I think that's why he received so much criticism, like for it. No, that's a great point. Yeah, and and the timing with I mean, I mean what we've got going on in, in, within the past couple of years in terms of the the homosexual community, their LGBT community, and all their affairs they've got going on. So I guess it's kind of sensitive right now. Um, so it's bad timing on his part. I do believe this whole thing got blew out of context, as everybody has said, and it, and it is because it was the dead spot. I do like the Falcons, how we did the press announcer, the presser, uh, the morning of the Peyton retirement. So that kind of like got kind of pushed underneath the rug. Um, and, and their free agency hit suddenly, and all of a sudden everybody <laughs> forgot about it. So it was like we were, the talk, we, were the, yeah, we were the talk of the town for a couple of days. Everybody was talking about it from like uh, Good Morning America and this and that. And then suddenly like Peyton retires, we're going to go ahead and send our presser out, and then we're just going to fade off into the sunset. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, if Brian Cox had asked that question, he wouldn't have said who asked him that question. <laughs> <laughs> I know that much. Oh, yeah. We know Brian Cox has uh, been known to put his hands on, on some players. When he was at Tampa Bay, I saw a clip. He was kind of arguing or one of the players was trying to stop him. So, you know, Brian Cox is definitely not a guy to be fooled with. From um, I think he's from East St. Louis. So, you know, don't want don't wanna to uh, fool with that man. But I guess I was kind of going to talk about the draft next, but I guess we'll go free agency first since the, the moves in free agency kind of will affect the draft now that free agency is before the draft as it's been a, hasn't been like that in, in previous years. But let's go ahead and pick it up. March 9th, uh, the Falcons agreed to terms with Alex Mack, the center who played for the Browns, played on the losing franchise his whole career, and is now coming to the Falcons. Uh, we know about the center issues that they've had the past uh, past season with James Stone and Mike Person uh, with the what do we call them the, the butt fumbles and I mean the butt snaps and the 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 bowling the bowling snaps or whatever you want to call it whatever throwing the ball across the turf saw that happen a few times this season and uh, also signed Derek Shelby defensive end from the Dolphins and Muhammad Sanu wide receiver from the Bengals and also brought Sean Witherspoon back a guy. Played for the Cardinals last year, but started his career uh, with the Falcons. So, Trent, I'll let you go ahead and start off. What do you think about the moves? Are, are we moving in the right direction? I think we are moving in the right direction. The only thing that's still head scratching is these um, the actual contract um, deals. Like I feel like Muhammad Sanu for an unproven wide receiver to receive to receive that type of money, and then we're banking on this guy. So that's the big question I have. I love the Alex Mack addition. Um, we, I mean, of course, you were just talking about person and our and our center quarterback miscues. So I actually like that pick. Um, I feel like outside of those two, we're showing like we're trying to build, I guess, those rotational 
rotational guys. Like, uh, hopefully Sean Witherspoon can give us something. But I, I just feel like with those, with the addition of um, Alex Mack and Mohamed Sanu, that our draft will basically be um, will add a lot on defense when it comes to our draft. So I think it was for to to sum up the free agency. I think it's been it's been a, it's been good so far. And I forgot I actually forgot a, the the biggest signing, and that was bringing back uh, bringing a quarterback in to compete. <laughs> With Matt Ryan, and that's Matt Shaw. So. <laughs> can't forget Shaw. Can't forget bringing back Matt Shaw. But, I mean, really, looking at that signing, even though I'm joking, of course, Sean Riffey really hasn't played much. But you got to think, if your quarterback goes down, you need something. I mean, Matt Shaw won't lead us to the playoffs or anything. He may throw, throw a record number of pick sixes and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, something kind of insurance to have there. So, AD, with those moves, man, uh, what do you think? I know we talked about the numbers before we started the podcast, but I guess kind of rebut to Trent's um, comments about the contract numbers. Yeah, I mean, overall, generally, please, I don't personally get the Weatherspoon signing in the sense of um, you're trying to create depth and, you know, he, I mean, nice enough guy from what everybody says, but he hadn't played 16 games but once in his career. Um so now it's a one-year deal, and I think that goes back to what you were talking about and what we hit on earlier uh, before we got started is that me personally, I don't care about the money because these numbers are so funny these days that, um, you know, with them dumping more money back into the veterans pool from the draft, um, just generally the, the salary cap going up, I, I don't get too bogged down in the numbers. The one thing I give this team credit for is that they haven't had a contract that's just been a backbreaker that they just had to get out of. Now, the guys they've signed haven't been worth a whole hell of a lot, but, you know, the contracts haven't been terribly bad. So, I mean, if you look at it, I think, um, you know, Sanu at the end of the day, two years, $14 million guaranteed. Um, we got that. You know, it's not going to hurt us. So I, I don't get too bogged down into that. I think the issue with them in free agency is always did they pick the right people. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely important. Um, according to Aaron Wilson of the Houston Chronicle, uh, Sanu's deal was uh, 32, of course, uh, 32 and a half um, for what's that five years. But like a AD said, a 14 guaranteed. The first two years are fully guaranteed, which are one million and six million, seven million dollar signing bonus. So of course, if he if it doesn't work out after those first two years, you're not really spending a whole lot. But when you look back on those old free agent deals, of course, we didn't spend a lot on the guys, but they hurt because we needed a running back and we signed Steven Jackson. We needed a D Defensive end, and it was Ray Edwards, and you know these moves that really haven't worked out. So looking at that crop, what do you think, Justin? Was that a good move? Good moves, or are we moving in the right direction? Do we need to address it some more in the draft, or wait until uh, around training camp, or what's what's up? What do you feel? Uh, so where I'm at with it, I, I really like that Shelby move. I think if in in terms of pass rushers, I mean he's a, you won't call him a pure edge rusher or whatnot, but because he could play some three second. But if you look at his contract in comparison to the rest of the marketplace, I feel like he was still um, been watching him, solid hands, great bull rusher. Um, I like that deal a lot. Um, the Sanu deal is all right with me. I do appreciate the structure of Thomas Dimitrov. Um, between that Alex Mack, what is his cap hit? It's like four and a half or something like that right now. And then you've got the Sanu deal. So I see what he's trying to do in terms of structuring it and putting it off to the back end. What I, I am concerned about is, uh, I mean, we gave Sean Weatherspoon, uh, is, is, it's heavily incentivized, uh, his contract. Um, but we don't have a weak side linebacker if you, uh, if you go ahead and go through our core right now. Uh, Sean is the only weak side, the re only real weak side linebacker that we have, which uh, leads me to believe that um, unless we go get a guy like Zach Brown or else I was excited to probably get Gerald Freeman who could play inside, but... Uh, Unless we get a guy like Zach Brown, it looks like Sean Westfield might be our guy going into the draft, which scares me because we all know uh, he's probably not going to give us a full season. So, <laughs> um, I like the, the match out signing, and then it's all right. That's cool. We go ahead and go to camp. Him and Riffrey could go battle it out. I wasn't one of those people who was uh, banging my head, uh, although we have been getting pretty lucky with uh, Matt Ryan's health. He's been pretty healthy, so we should uh, we should be thankful about that. Uh, what else do you have? The, and then the Adrian Claiborne, he made a little bit more uh, money than I thought he was going to, but uh, he had about five or six teams, including like uh, two teams from the NFC East. Was pretty interested in him, so just glad to have him. 
And uh, Shelby back, hopefully, it's a strong, strong defensive end rotation. Or I'll slide Shelby into some three tech action with like Grady and uh, Hage, and then uh, and then go from there. Hopefully, just draft some linebackers. It looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely need to get that linebacker core. They, of course, they said they wanted to be uh, faster and younger, and yeah. I guess Weatherspoon kind of was a direct opposite of that. But you know, we'll, we'll see how it works out in the draft and everything. And going forward, I think we looking in the draft and free agency. After the draft, we got to look at bringing in more wide receivers. I'm not really – this is a new deal. Is uh, You know, he's more of a slot guy. He's never played outside much, and when he has, he hasn't been uh, very productive. So think about that. And then defensive backfield, looking at safeties, definitely linebacker core. We got got some improvements to make. I don't think the, the rebuild and the retool of this team is finished yet. You guys got any other observations from the – is an early free agency period. How do you, how do you guys feel about uh, Larinitis? I mean, he seems like him and Long are the ones that seems like they might be coming down the pipeline here shortly. But I've been having this long uh, discussion with guys about Larinitis and is he really an upgrade over Warlow, or if, if he's going to be worth the? I guess people were saying he could get upwards to four mil. I guess, which I mean, Paul is going to be in. I want to say roughly around two and a half. But how do you guys feel about Larinitis? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I had to choose, like, as we were sitting here going through it, and I'm not saying this is going to be a world beater, but if you say, okay, defensive line, we kept Claiborne, Beasley's back, hopefully healthy, we got Shelby, um, I think Grady uh, can do some things. If you add long to that, that's five guys that are, you know, all solid across the board, and you hope that Beasley can make a leap and, and be a little bit better than that. Um, Laura Knight, I, I I just don't get the point. You know, I don't I don't see why you just. To me, that's plugging a hole. Just go ahead and make the investment in the draft and, and just start getting some depth there. That that's the only thing I would what I would say is that the defensive line they made some uh some uh, some investments between Hageman, Beasley, and then um, with with Daxon. So I think if you go Laura Knight, what's the you know that's a stopgap, and Witherspoon is already a stopgap. So they're going to be looking at the same thing a year from now, so they need to just go ahead and do something about it. I don't see the purpose of signing Laurinaitis. Yeah, also, Laurinaitis, he's just – I think he's he's been – for me, he's been a disappointment, and he's he's a bigger linebacker, and his coverage skills are terrible. So I just remember the games when Benjamin Watson or any other opposing tight end we went against just tortured us. And I see, I don't see – I don't think Laurinaitis would um, help us in that aspect. So, I, honestly, I would also look at linebackers in the draft that first round rather than pick up uh, Laurinaitis. He's not – I mean, we all give Warlow a ton of crap, but for what he is, especially last year, not bad. The playmaker on that, uh, the team for uh, for St. Louis was 52. I should know his name. Uh, Ogletree. Ogletree? Yeah. yeah. That, was Ogletree. that was the guy, you know, so – to me, is it whatever you're going to pay Laurinaitis is it that much of an upgrade relative to what you're paying Warlow? I, I just don't see it. And that's kind of where I'm at with it in terms of the the talent or the skill set. If there is any disparity, I, I don't think it's that large of one in terms of a run support. I feel like they're both equal in run support. Laurinaitis, you might have a slight edge as of right now in coverage, but we also have to think that Laurinaitis has been in the league since what. Uh, He's an Ohio State guy. He's I know, I know he's been old. in the league for like at least I want to say six years, right? Six years, I want to say, if I'm thinking of the right draft class. Anyways, he's been in the league for a while. And I mean, I mean, Warlow. I mean, I do believe he's maxed out his frame, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's maxed out his skill set. So you might have something still a little bit left in coverage to uh, go ahead and uh, and kind of try maximizing the set. I do think we need an upgrade. But I don't think Laurinaitis is the upgrade. That's my that's my only concern right now. So like you guys are talking about the whole stopgap thing, and this goes back to I don't know if you saw it, Rome, but I had just posted. If you guys remember, so yesterday, March 11th, uh, but four years ago, so 2012, that's when we were breaking news about Lofa Tatupu signing. And we, if you think about it, we've been getting stopgaps in this second level for for years now. 
I mean, at some yeah, point, we have to just never, never made it past the preseason. I think yeah, he, he tore his he tore his pack and he he ended up that was a career ending when he tore his pack. But right. but Man. just using that as an example, like we've been trying to plug the second level. I mean, outside of D Block, when we had Nick and, and Spoon and those guys, we've never really had a linebacking core. And well, I, I was that, hoping oh, that's part of the problem is that Witherspoon was supposed to be that guy. Yeah. So you know, I mean, he was. He's probably the closest. Yeah, he but that was he was supposed to be the playmaking guy that you know um, did these things and one of his two signature plays. I think one is knocking Robert Griffin into Cobb County. And <laughs> he, he did pick. I know he picked up a fumble or something like that. But that was supposed to be Witherspoon. I mean, that was a guy that you drafted. And now we're getting back. That's another miss in the draft. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm, to, I'm totally with you. <laughs> and to kind of reiterate how we feel about Paul Warlow, of course, undrafted guy, but we have a little group me with the Bird Bros, and and AD sent us a a text. Uh, what was that on Wednesday? And it said Warlow three years, twenty one to the Chargers. You got Cadis saying seriously. AD said gonna have to go to Laurinaitis then. Cadis top five pick in the second because I think doesn't he have a tender? Did we? Second yeah. round tender. Second round tender. So then I said, "Wow, from undrafted that." And then AD says, "Oh, I was just seeing seeing the reaction." So of course, Warlow has been valuable in his two years, but not a guy that that I think we got to definitely uh, replace him and use him as more of a depth piece than a than a guy we that plays a lot of time. So kind of transitioning to the draft, a lot of mock drafts have us picking a defensive player, a defensive end, or or a linebacker. I've heard some people want Reggie Ragland, but they're concerned about his coverage skills. Then you got uh, Kevin Dodd from Clemson. Uh, Emmanuel Oba was another guy I saw. So where do you all want to go uh, in the first round in the draft? Do we go for, uh, defense again like we did last year? Or I guess I'll let Trent go ahead and start off. What do you want to see early in the draft, first round? I think we definitely definitely have to go uh, defense. Honestly, if if he's available at our pick, I would go Miles Jack. I, actually, I like Miles Jack a lot. If he's not there, I like I I wouldn't um, go with Reggie Ragland. Of course, you were just talking about his coverage skills. Also, a guy I um if Miles Jack isn't there, I wouldn't oppose. I wouldn't be opposed to trading back and maybe landing a guy like Robert Mkendichi or a guy like Jalen Smith, who's another linebacker. But of course, he tore his ACL, so he has those. those there are concerns about his um about his health. So I wouldn't be um, opposed to trading back and basically and probably finding the same talent you could find at that uh, 17th spot. Kim DG? Yeah, you said Kim D- Kim, That's what I said. With Brian Cox <laughs> and D-line coach? <laughs> hey, I mean, you can't. You like I understand the everything. Like, <laughs> Can we get back on hard knocks? <laughs> With Hageman, too? I understand, <laughs> I understand the off the field issues, but you can't deny his talent. Well, I mean, I, no, I'm, I mean, I'm half joking, but if he's there at 17, yeah, please, thank you. I don't think he'll. I mean, I think he, I think the off the field issues are too big, and he will definitely be there at 17. I think you can get him later in the draft. Yeah, I think he's in the back of the draft, honestly. Yeah, I was gonna say like he, he's like in Seattle territory. He's wow. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, personally, if it's me. I think it's got to be linebacker or, you know, something falls, you know, from a defensive end standpoint there. Um, I think Cadiz, I know he couldn't make it tonight. He he made a good point. He said he doesn't believe in um, investing in high-round draft picks on the same position in, you know, consecutive years, which I think makes a lot of sense. So if you go off of that, it's got to be a linebacker. I think you also have to get the best <laughs> the best player available. So if it's if he's there, yeah. then I'm not going to worry about, oh, big, we just drafted Vic Beasley. Because I'm not, I mean, of course, after his first year, he's shaky also. Yeah. I think he caught a bad rap, but that's for another show. But I, I, just, I just don't believe in Clemson defensive end. So they. <laughs> so, yeah, I was so thinking I, about that earlier. You got guys like in the past, uh, RIP, but, you know, Gaines Adams. He was kind of strong in his first few years. But you look at, um, and what's the guy in Tampa? Daquan Bowers. Yeah, and this year. Well, I mean, there's been a few guys. Andre Branch has been pretty good with the Jaguars, but 
Yeah, that, that's that's questionable. I mean, I, I don't want to start a, a war, but I, I would say the same thing about Georgia running backs in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to start some. You know, I'm not a, a UGA fan, but that's that's the debate for another time. But, but so I guess go ahead and continue the, the draft. Uh, where, where else do you see us in the in the other rounds as well? What else do, needs to be addressed? Is it all uh, all defense draft or maybe finding a wide receiver? I'm heavy defense right now. Heavy defense. I know we had we spoke about Miles Jack. He's he's the uh, the king of the draft to me. I I think he's gone uh, by the time we get on board. I'd like to trade back personally, and I think the, the one of the keys to trading back, depending on how the board plays out, is I'm keeping an eye on Treadwell because uh, you've got guys like Minnesota. Minnesota is one of the teams that I would not mind trading back to during that 22-23 range, if I remember correctly. If they want to go after a guy like Treadwell, I'd like to go ahead and try recouping picks because we only got the five picks right now and, and just heavy invest in the defense. Uh, I like it. One of the guys I like, and I'm, you guys might know him, of course, just because he's a local guy, is uh, Leonard Floyd. I like him quite a bit, actually. Uh, I just came around on him. I wasn't a fan at first, but the more I've been watching him, he covers a little bit better than I thought he did. Um, I've been wondering if he has some uh, weak side linebacker characteristics with his ability to cover and some weak side blitzing, and then go ahead and slide him over to Sam. Since Quinn always prints, uh, or uh, Quinn uh, always preaches versatility, he'd be an interesting choice, and he fits that fast physical mantra. Um, not big on Ogba, honestly. Uh, I, I think he, he's a little lethargic at times. Or how do you guys feel about Darren Lee? Yeah. I feel low. I, I just don't. I See, don't you think... like me. <laughs> he, he shoots string tackles and arm tackles quite a bit and he was on a loaded team so I know a lot of people like him at 17 if we stay there to fill in that weak side linebacker spot or even Mike but I just I, I'm not sold yet uh, he, he's going to have to do some work if he ends up in Atlanta or else Raglan Raglan he's, he's a good he's, he's a good Bama linebacker, but I, in our scheme, I don't see him being able to play sideline to sideline and getting in coverage like we need, like like the Bobby Wagner-esque type player that we need. So that's our problem, though. And that's yeah. our problem going into the situation. You also alluded to um, Trey. Well, I, think, I remember, Rome, you were saying earlier that we needed another wide out, and I definitely agree. I think we um, with the signing of Sanu, I don't like Treadwell just because he's another – possession wide out like I think we need a, a speed threat I don't see um I, I don't think Devin Hester will make it past June 2nd so I, think <laughs> we, we, <laughs> I think we need to um may, maybe find a speed out to, to, that can play that slot we kind of debated that on the text as well was Justin Hardy I mean that you know brings that up is will he be ready next year you know he's a terrific college wide receiver he only had one offer and that was Division two Fayetteville State went on to become the leading receiver in NCAA history. Of course, they threw the ball a lot at ECU, but um, you know that's the question: Is he going to be ready to play a lot of snaps next year? So, I mean, that's yeah. why I think you know you gotta, you might, you gotta, you can never have enough weapons. And then you gotta think about the tight end position: is Jacob Tammy. So, I mean, looking at the free agency and the draft, all of those, of course, mesh when it comes to team building. That's where I, I'm kind of at. I'm not well versed in all the prospects, but I know what the Falcons need. <laughs> well, that, but that's it, it, that's the problem is that we got so many holes to fill, and we're already down, you know, a fifth rounder. So I think yeah. that back to Justin's point, if you're saying trade back five spots to get pick up a fifth or another fourth, or I mean, fourth would be great, but to pick up a fifth, why wouldn't you at this point? It, it, you know, it's um that that kind of hampers the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. Because one of the, I think one of our biggest holes that I think we we haven't mentioned today, um, we haven't mentioned today, is our secondary. It's like our, it's atrocious. And you look at these quarterbacks and wideouts that are in our division. I mean, James Winston is getting better, and of course he like he was just getting better every every week last season. And I expect the same progression next year. We just have a quarterback heavy division, and we also have big wideouts and top wideouts. So I think we we definitely have to shore up that uh, secondary also. Well, one thing that I would like to see, honestly, is, uh, is CS kind of poking prod 
Arizona about Tony Jefferson. He was a uh, the safety down well one of the safeties down in Arizona, and uh, he's a restricted free agent. But he uh, he there's no compensation needed if we were to put in an offer sheet. So we don't have to give up any picks. And the kid was damn good. He is good. Um, I know some aren't a fan of it because we're supposed to be getting younger. But this guy Reggie Nelson's still out there. If you're looking to uh, upgrade it strong uh, via free agency. And then there's I, I don't know if if you guys are big on uh, some of these free or not free agent but uh, some of these college kids. But the second round, I feel like it, sh- it should be our money spot to find a strong safety. Whether it hopefully a guy like Darian Thompson or a guy like Carl Joseph um, from uh, West Virginia. But mm-hmm. one of the guys like one of those guys like that, you could definitely bring in to compete with uh, with Ish and uh, Therese and uh, and kind of see where it goes from there in terms of the back end to me. No, I agree 100%. I think you got – I mean, well, I won't say you got to go safety because you don't know how it's going to fall. But I think – that, and we were talking about this before the, before we got on too, is just numbers-wise, you know, they just haven't done anything. But um, So I don't see how they don't sign somebody in free agency, whether it be Nelson or whoever else they may have targeted, because they can't go I, – I don't. they can't go into it with drafting whoever they're going to get in the, in, the, in the draft, plus what we got now. That's just not going to work. Oh, I totally agree. And, and I'm hoping they spend up to the cap, too, because we're, we're sitting on a little bit of money. I mean, especially if we're going to end up cutting uh, Hester, that's three mil right there. And then, um, but you know how TD, he likes to keep his little emergency stash. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, he likes to keep his emergency stash for whatever reason. But I, I would definitely like to see us, as Blank said, spend up or near the cap. I definitely would welcome that, but we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, quick note, uh, of course, we've been mentioned only six draft picks uh, this year because the Falcons lost their fifth rounder. To oh, the, uh, five, five draft picks. Oh, five, yeah, five, actually. Yeah, because the Levitre trade. No way. Yeah, the four, yeah, so the fifth round pick was, was relinquished. Uh, we oh. penalized for, for, the, for the noise and fraction. That was the other Roddy White. So the other Roddy White was, <laughs> allegedly was the one who did it, but we don't, we, you know. Well... Well, you know, we've heard things that it, it may have, he's the fall guy, but that's, that's for another podcast. You know, we don't speculate on bird bros. We keep it professional and 100. Uh, <laughs> so, Hey guys, you know, we're, we're coming up on the, on the end of the show. I'm going to let you just really give you all the floor to talk about a few things about the Falcons, anything random. Um, and of course we'll come back in a, a few weeks, probably before the draft to kind of talk more about, Things that have happened, a few pro days coming up, and how things to shake out with free agency, and you know, who knows what'll happen. So, go ahead, Trent, start it off, man. You got anything else, or a little no, five minute free for all, man? I think Blank has basically has showed that he has a lot of support um, for Quinn. So I'm, I'm honestly, I'm looking forward to to seeing what Quinn does in this draft and this um, the rest of this off season. I mean, he's coming from an organization in Seattle, which, of course, they their drafting was superb. I mean, you found guys late, like Earl Thomas. You found these guys very late. I don't know, of course, what he was, what he what he had to do with that. But I mean, just being in that culture and being in that environment, I feel like he hopefully he can bring some of them, some of that to Atlanta. So I'm just looking forward to seeing what um what Quinn does with in the the rest of this offseason. Yeah, well, well, Earl Thomas was the was a first rounder. He was first rounder. Yeah, yeah Cam I mean, was the fifth well, rounder. Yeah, Cam, Cam was the fifth Richard rounder. Sherman, yeah. a few of those yeah. other guys are later picks. Yeah, uh, those guys. And then also the undrafted guys. So, uh, yeah. go ahead, Justin. Any random thoughts or um, give you well, the floor? Here's where I go ahead and position for a guy like Zach Brown really quick. We got to keep on building this linebacker core. To me, so a guy like Zach Brown play weak side linebacker. Hopefully, we give him a look since we lost out on a Trevathan at middle linebacker and a. Gerald Freeman, just because I don't feel good about going into the draft with just Spoon at that weak side area, just in case we do miss out on the prospect that we're targeting. But uh, other than that, in terms of the draft, um, Quinn hasn't really given us a reason, if, if you think about it, not to trust his, his ability to evaluate talents. And this is going back to even the cuts. You go back to when they started trimming the fat last year with guys like Corey Peters and whatnot. And, I mean, some of them were fan favorites. I was a big Peters fan, but he relinquished them. We still ended up finishing, with like, 15th, 16th in the league, basically, in overall team defense. He drafted a hell of a class. He found Grady Jarrett. 
Vic Beasley, he slowly started coming on. I mean, Tevin, he looked like he was going to be the man at first. Um, only guy really questionable is Jalen Collins is it right now. I mean, he was a second rounder, and that was the second second rounder in consecutive years where we got a consecutive uh, questionable guy. If you think about age, he's we're still waiting on him to uh, pay dividends. But as of right now, Quinn has a uh, he sold me on being a on a good talent evaluator. Um, I, he did, was a part of what they did build up in here in Seattle. I just happen to know that just from living up here, but. Yeah, Pete has a Pete gave him credit specifically for like the Cam pick. He said that that was one of Quinn's guys, as well as just kind of being like one of the overseers of the the Seattle War Room and kind of uh, giving his a uh, his input, I guess I should say. And it, and his draft class so far, I mean, we've got one class, and as far as I'm concerned, that's probably the best class that we've had since what? Oh wait, if you think about it in terms of contribution or impact. When was, I mean, when was the last yeah, time we had yeah, a, a fifth-round draft probably, pick? Yeah, when was the last yeah. time we had a fifth-round draft pick actually contribute like Grady Jarrett did? <laughs> yeah, yet the guy who – yet the guy, the general manager still didn't get fired. Oh, I, oh trust <laughs> me. That's trust me. That's what I, I was going to bring up. I'll be right there with y'all, man. I'll be right there with y'all in the trenches when you guys start talking about TD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thomas Dimitrov was, of course, retained. Uh, that was at the top of the year, so – you know, we talked about that at the end of the year and all, all throughout the year. Who's head will roll? And uh, nobody's head. Uh, well, you know, a few guys. <laughs> Lionel Vital, who's in the – I believe is director of player personnel or something uh, of that ilk. He was let go. So – or asked to take a demotion, and he said he'd rather leave. So, you know, somebody somebody was a scapegoat. AD, any final thoughts, man? No, um, I think the only thing is – and. It'll be interesting to see what happens this week because most of the big money has been spent now across the league. So do they go out and get a Reggie Nelson and some of these other guys now that markets are shaking out and they spend that money? So that's really the only thing. Um, I, you know, I hope they are still active somewhat this week and not just kind of sitting back and, you know, cruising into the draft. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to it. Always plugged into the Falcons. I'll give you all a chance to, to plug your social media. Go ahead, Trent. All right, man. I'm uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is at t e e underscore little. Um, it's it's felt good, man. I feel like we haven't had some about some Falcons talk in a while, so <laughs> it's good to um, get back on here and talk Falcons. For sure, for sure. Justin, go ahead. Our our guest. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on social media. On Twitter, it's j city j c i t y one two three. I want everything else is JCD253. And if you're not, uh, go ahead and join the Facebook group, Dirty Bird Nation. We're 17,000 strong now. So got a good movement going on over there. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to definitely, you know, I know you're a moderator or whatever in that group. If, if it's part of the rules, can you, uh, you know, give us a shout on there? You I in there. A, yeah, yeah, give a plug. Yeah, give a plug <laughs> and everything. That's a good, that's a, a nice following right there that we could uh, tap into. And always we like having fellow fans on, man. This is a fans podcast. We're not. On our high horse, and don't want any. Nobody can hop on. It's a fans podcast. We don't. We know. We feel like we know a lot, but hey, we always like to hear everybody's take. Uh, Ad, uh, I'm, I'm gonna give you the floor for your social media, even though I know you. You kind of. No, I don't even have one. So. <laughs> Bird, <bro. laughs> so yeah. So yeah, I gotta hop back. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, I'm. So I'll be. Uh, I'll be uh, on the, the Bird Brothers account a little bit more going forward. So uh, check that one out. So I'll plug in that Bird Brothers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Bird Brothers on Twitter. As always on SoundCloud as well on iTunes, rate, send us a comment, subscribe, do all of that. Um, of course, we'll be back periodically through the off season. We're gonna try to do some some live stuff as training camp nears and everything. So, you know, we always look forward to your comments and questions and everything. Our Gmail, our email address is birdbuzz at gmail. Hit us up. I'll respond or hit us up on Twitter. We're Definitely responding to you on Facebook as well. So, I mean, that's been tonight's show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Keep checking us out. We'll see what the Falcons do coming up. Go Falcons.